we get started, we have a couple of young folks who are going to say, uh, read a poem for us here in just a second. For those of you that are visiting with us, or if you might happen to uh, attend here and you want to uh, submit a prayer request or something like that, or let us know that you were here, there are some information cards on the back of the seat in front of you there. You can fill those out and you can put them in the offering box on your way out if you'd like. All right. Do we have our young folks that are going to come up? Elisa and Easton, are you all ready? Elisa and Easton have been preparing, and they're going to read a poem, and then Pastor Terry is going to come up and pray for the service. The very first Christmas, the birth of our Lord, was not filled with bright lights or tinsel galore. There were no Christmas parties or exchanging of gifts. There were no fancy trees or Christmas card lists. It was just an ordinary day in an ordinary town in a dusty old stable where a manger was found. That's where the birth of our Savior took place, sweet baby Jesus, filled with God's grace. Well, not everything was ordinary that Christmas day. The angels appeared with something to say. They told the shepherds about Jesus' birth and how he had come as our Savior to earth. What a surprise that must have been, seeing God's angels appear before men. Yes, God had their attention, so they hurried away to worship the Christ child on that first Christmas day. Others came later as time went by to worship the king, even several magi. But the shepherds were chosen that Christmas day to learn of the Christ child in God's special way. You see, God in his wisdom purposely chose the poor lowly shepherds because he wants us to know we all are his children and can call on his name. We all can trust him. That's why he came. As you can see, long, long ago, the very first Christmas showed God loves us so. His precious son, Jesus, God's gift of love, would die on a cross, then ascend above. Lord, we love you and praise you and lift you on high. As we celebrate Christmas, we understand why. You came to earth to live among men, and one day you promised you're coming again. Here comes Pastor Terry. There you go. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Holy Father, we praise and honor you. We glorify you, Father. We're so thankful for what Christ has done for us, Father, as he came down as a baby, Father, and sacrificed himself for us, Father. Help us to truly be faithful to you. Thank you for everyone coming out tonight, Father, and we ask that we all worship you in spirit and in truth, Father, and that not, not only happens this evening, but it happens daily in our lives, Father. We think of your Son. We think of his meekness. We think of his humility. Father, we know that he is led by the power of your Spirit. Help us as your people to also do so. Be with us tonight as we worship you, and through Christ's name, amen. Amen. Would you stand as we sing together?
ready for that day when we will meet you, Lord, when we will praise your name forever. Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Lord, help us to respond to your grace that you show us, Lord, so we'll be ready on that day. We just thank you for your presence here, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you take your seats? Thank you for joining us this evening. What a joy, privilege, pleasure it is to be able to be here in fellowship and for us to be able to worship our Lord and our King. I'm going to be preaching out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to turn there. Philippians chapter 2. And would you join with me before we begin in prayer? God, we have just sang songs to you of praise. God, we have cried out. To you be the glory that we will sing praises to you forever. God, I pray that that may be true for every single one of us here. God, that we may be with you in eternity forever. God, we thank you for that joy. We thank you for that privilege that Christ came, that Christ died, that he rose again. And because of that, we can have hope. Because of that, we can have joy. We can have security. God, we thank you for what you've done. God, I I pray that you may speak through me. God, may your word go out. May you work in our hearts and our lives. God, may your word, as you have promised, may not return void. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Going to be beginning in verse 5, Philippians chapter 2. And there are three main points in this passage that I want us to to really understand this evening and that I want us to to think over. Beginning in verse 5, it says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Point number one that we need to understand tonight is Jesus was born into the flesh. Jesus was born into flesh. Later in scripture, we see in John chapter 1, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That God, in his perfection, would come down into earth. And the only thing that earth represented at this time was sin. That's what we were known for. You read from the Old Testament on, we had sin in our hearts and everything we did was against God. But he saw fit to come down to be born in flesh. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. How encouraging it is that Jesus Christ saw fit to step down out of obedience to the Father, but out of a love for us. He didn't have to, but he did. And for that, we should be eternally grateful. Thomas Watson said this, that man should be made in God's image is a wonder, but that God should be made in man's image is even a greater wonder. That the ancient of days would be born, that he who thunders in the heavens should cry in the cradle. 
Charles Spurgeon spoke of Christ's birth this way. He was infinite, yet he was an infant. Eternal, yet born of a woman. Supporting a universe, yet needed to be carried in the arms of a mother. Heir of all things, yet the carpenter's despised son. We can praise God for Christmas that Christ came and was born in the flesh. Continuing in verse 8, we're going to see another point. In being found in human form, he being Christ, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You and I, when we're born, our our parents have hopes for us. They have dreams for us. They want us to be successful. They want us to live a good life. But Jesus was born into the flesh, and he was born for one purpose. And that one purpose was to come and to die. And he knew it, and he was obedient to it. We see in the Garden of Gethsemane, him pleading with his father, and he's saying, Father, take this cup from me. But if it's your will, God, your will be done. Augustine put it this way in regards to Christ being born to die. He said, man's maker was made man, that the bread of life might go hungry. The fountain of living water might thirst. Light might sleep. The way be tired from the journey. That strength might be made weak and that life itself might die. In Acts 2, 23, we see that this was God's plan from the very beginning. It didn't catch God by surprise that Christ needed to die. In our free will, we had destroyed what God had given us. And in Acts 2, 23, it says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God knew from the very beginning, and so did Christ, That he was going to be born into the flesh, but he was born for the purpose. And that purpose was to die. We can praise God that he thought of us and was obedient to the Father. And out of a love for us, gave his life for us. But we know that that wasn't the end of the story when he gave his life for us. We know from scripture and we know for those of us who have Christ living in us that Christ was resurrected. That he conquered death, he conquered the grave. Romans 4.24 says, It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up from our trespasses. He was raised for our justification. Conquering death, conquering sin. That's the greatest gift as we go into tomorrow. And we have gifts that we can open. The greatest gift is in front of all of us. Maybe you have opened it. It was over 10 years ago that I understood the gift of Jesus Christ and it radically changed my life. The greatest gift you have access to and to be able to reach out and understand what Christ did for you and he is pursuing you. So Christ, he was born into flesh. He was born to die. But last but not least, beginning in verse 9, it says this, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was born into flesh. Jesus was born to die. But Jesus was born so that we could be born again. 
And if we don't accept that, we have forsaken the greatest thing that has been given to us. God has made it clear in this verse that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In, in other parts of scripture, we see that every knee will bow. For those who believe in Christ or those who do not and they profess that there is no God, every knee will bow. It's just a matter of when that will happen. Scripture makes it very clear in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to ask us this evening, what does it mean to bow the knee to Jesus Christ? I want you to really think about that. What does it mean in your life to bow your knee to somebody? To bow your knee to Jesus Christ? Because I went through a long period in my life where I thought I had bowed my knee to Jesus Christ. When in reality, I knew a little bit about God and I did not know God. If I was to stand before him in that time of my life, I would have been eternally damned and sent to hell. I knew about God. I didn't know God. And it wasn't until I understood what God had done for me that it changed my life radically. And that's when I bowed my knee to Jesus Christ. And it changed my life. To bow the knee in their, in their time when this was written, Caesar being on the throne could come and say, bow the knee to Caesar. And the Christians would say, I bow my knee only to Jesus Christ. And they would be killed on the spot. The true followers of Christ understood what it meant to make him Lord. It wasn't just confessing. It was living that way. So Jesus was born in the flesh. Jesus was born to die, but he was born so that we could be born again. My hope and my prayer for us is 2014, that we live a life as followers of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, that is radically different and set apart from the world. It's called counting the cost. Jesus called us, if we are going to profess Jesus Christ, then we should count the cost. If we're going to build a building, we should count the cost. And Jesus is saying, if you decide to follow me, I encourage you to count the cost. He's done some incredible things for us. He has stepped out of heaven into a fallen world, and he did it for us. And I encourage us not to forsake this gift, and it is the greatest gift that we could ever be given. I have a, a short video for us this evening, and when I watched this couple of minutes, it just challenged me. It convicted me, and we need that. I need that. And so tonight, that's, that's part of my hopes, part of my prayers is that we as a church, we as a body of Christ may be challenged to be on our knees before our King. Would you watch this? You need to weigh in on the cost factor and count the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It will cost you popularity. It will cost you promotion perhaps at times. It will cost you an easy life. You will have to discipline yourself. You will have to buffet your body. You will have to say no to temptation. You will have to say no to this world. You will have to break with the crowd. You will have to be willing to stand alone for Christ. You will have to be willing to walk to the beat of a different drummer and to, to step out of the crowd even if no one follows after Jesus Christ. You'd be willing to stand if you're the only person in the world for Jesus Christ. 
That's the cost factor. You would have to be willing to suffer persecution for Christ. And let me tell you, it will come. It might even cost you your life. You need to settle out of court with Him. You do not want to go into that final day of conflict with Christ. For He will be ruthless in the execution of His justice. But He offers you mercy today. He will agree to terms of surrender. He will agree to terms of peace, but they are His terms of peace, not ours. You must transfer the ownership of all that you are and all that you have to all that He is. That's what He's saying. Your life is no longer your life. It is now His life. Your time is no longer your time. It is now His time. Your possessions are no longer your possessions. They are now His possessions. Your future is no longer your future. It is now His future. Your treasure is no longer your treasure. It is now His treasure. And you have transferred all that you are and all that you have to all that He is. That's what it is to meet His terms of peace. Yet the exchange is not bartered or bought with real money, but it is purchased with the total, complete surrender of your life to Christ. That's what saving faith is. It is coming to the end of yourself completely and entirely entrusting all that you are and all that you have to all that He is. This is your eternal soul. This is the only life you will ever live. This deals with the only eternity you will ever have. But it will require the total commitment of your life to Him. Oh, how we ought to search our hearts here today. Have I come to this place of total commitment in my life? Have I yielded my life to the sovereign lordship of Him who died upon the cross for me? I want you to know that the gates of paradise have been swung open to you the narrow gate is open. And if you will take a step of faith and come through this narrow gate and commit your life to Him, despite the strength of His words, He also says, Him who comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He's calling you today to come, to come to Him take a step of faith and to come to Him. But if you come to Him, don't play games. You must surrender to Christ. I know Christmas time, traditionally we focus on Christ 
baby in a manger. But we need to understand that was only for a time in his life. Because he is not just a baby in a manger. He is, as we've sang already, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And you heard him say he will be ruthless in his execution of justice. That is the greatest of news, that our God is good and perfect and just, and he is not going to overlook the things that are done in secret and in evil. But that is also horrendous news because we are in secret and in evil doing things. And I know from my life, when I first understood this, and I understood who I was, and that I had broken every single one of the Ten Commandments in regards to lying, in regards to stealing. I've done those things. Dishonoring my parents. I've hated people. And Jesus said that that's murder. I've lusted before. And he said that was adultery. If you've done any of those things, Scripture says if you've broken the law in just one area, then we're guilty before him. And for those of us who have accepted Christ, we praise God as we hear these sins because we can praise Him. He's taken care of that. But for those who have never trusted, we've never bend, bent the knee and made Him Lord, we're still on the hook for those things. And the Bible says we were helpless in our sins. Romans 8 says our human nature, my human nature, the way I act and the reason I do things is because I am hostile to God. I am hostile to God. I don't want to submit to God. Indeed, I cannot, is what Scripture says. But I praise God for Romans 5, 6. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless. So me in all of my sin and you in all of your sin, when we were powerless and we could do nothing, and all we could do was acknowledge our sin and holy God, When we were powerless, it says Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't have to, but he stepped down. He was born into flesh. He was born to die, and he was born so that we could be born again. And all we owed God, we were against him. But he stepped down. He died for the ungodly. I pray tonight that we may understand He is the only one worthy. We have one life, one eternity. A hundred years from now, the only thing that is going to matter in your life is what you've done with the message of Jesus Christ. Because one day, all of us are going to stand before Him. And for those of us as Christians, right now we can celebrate in our heart, praise God, thank you that you have done this for me. But those who are not And as I once was, was outside of that. Listen, I encourage you tonight, submit to him, surrender to him, call upon him. Maybe you're a Christian and you feel away from him. Listen, don't base your life on feelings. Base it on the word of God because it does not change. You base your life on the word of God. You go through your life focused on him. There's a lot of you I don't know. I encourage you, get involved. Plug in to a local body, a local church that preaches the Word of God. It is powerful and it effective and it will equip you. I encourage you. It doesn't have to be here. It can be wherever. We just want you plugged in 
And I encourage you, and it's, it's our heart, my heart, and my prayer tonight is that in response to this, in response to what we've heard, that tonight we may be on our knees as a church before our Lord and King. It doesn't have to be years from now that we get on our knees. It doesn't have to be an eternity daily. That means tonight, this evening, we should be on our knees praising Jesus Christ. Tomorrow, men, leading our families. We should be leading our families. You're going to have to stand before God, as will I, for how I have led or how I have not led my family. And that is a terrifying thought. And I praise God for the grace that he shows me and that he is the one who works. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're involved in this church and you're a volunteer or a deacon or staff, I encourage you that you be the one when we go into a time of response, that you be the one to come forward, to get on your knees before your Lord and your King. You be the one to come. Maybe you don't know Christ. I encourage you tonight. It's not a special prayer. It's not any of those things. It's coming, getting on your knees and praying to God and saying, God, come and change me. I'm sorry for what I've done. And then repent, turn away from those sins and continue serving him. And so in just a moment, as Luke comes forward, he's going to play. But I encourage you, we're going to go ahead and stand. But I encourage you, as I pray, that you lead your family, that you get on your knees before him, and let's take care of some business that we need to take care of. Let's pray. God, I pray that tonight, that we just may worship you. God, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. God, why can't that be tonight? God, I, I pray that we for starting the 2014 year, that we just may be honest with you. That we may just confess in the quietness of our heart. We praise you. God, we love you. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for being born in the flesh. We thank you for coming to die. But God, we thank you most importantly that you conquered death and sin and you have offered us the gift of salvation. God, I pray that we may be obedient to the Holy Spirit calling us to lead our families and to step forward. Men, women, everyone, God, we praise you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Would you pray with me? God, we do praise you. God, I thank you for everything you've done for us. God, help us to wake up. Help me to wake up every day acknowledging that every good thing in my life is from you. God, I need, I need to wake up and know that. God, I need to know how you have blessed, how you have overlooked my continual failures. God, I praise you for Christ and that we can celebrate Christmas. I thank you for the greatest gift. God, I thank you for truth. That tonight, that truth has been proclaimed from your word. God, I thank you for everyone who was responsive to the message whether they came forward or that they did that in their seats, just responding to you in praise and adoration that you are our King, you are our Lord, and that we totally surrender and submit to you. God, we praise you for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to end the service with a candlelight service. So if the two gentlemen who will be the candle lighters may come forward. All of you should have received a a candle on your way in representing us as Christians. Here when we sing, "Raising, raising our light, we are to go into a dark world. And soon all the lights, when the candles start to be lit, will be turned out. A word of, of caution, if you have a lit candle, the unlit candle is the one that should turn. Never the lit candle or you will pour wax all over your, your family, friend, or a person you don't know. So keep yours straight up with the burning and the other one turn. So. Yes. Would you please stand?
celebrate the reason for the season, Lord Jesus, Lord, for his coming to live and to die and to rise again for us, Lord. We just thank you so much for that. Help us to keep our hearts and our minds on that as we celebrate you. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Um, As you leave, we'd ask that you'd uh, extinguish your candles and then drop them in the box uh, as you're leaving. God's grace and peace be on you. Merry Christmas.